I'll ask you to turn with me to First Peter. First Peter, chapter five, beginning at verse one. So we'll pick up with John again, Lord willing, next Sunday. But this morning, for this occasion, First Peter, chapter five, verses one to four. Peter the old apostle writes this, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, Lord, would you help us with your word? We are distractible. Lots of thoughts pull on our minds. The enemy waits around at the edges of the field like a bird ready to gobble up seed. A thousand things that could occupy our minds when right now what we want is for this one thing. Your living word implanted in a way that shapes our thinking and therefore what we believe and how we act. For the sake of your kingdom we pray. Amen. So this is a serious moment in the life of our church and a joyful moment which makes it an important day as we officially add our brother to the elder leadership team here at Rockport. And so in light of that, let me remind you, first of all, what an elder is and why this matters. It matters, first of all, because an elder is a pastor. Uh, We're calling this brother uh, to come help lead this congregation along with myself and Kyle. The Bible uses these terms, elder, pastor, overseer, interchangeably to talk about the same office. They're all referring to the same men. They're talking about those who are called under Christ to give leadership and care to the congregation. And so second then, an elder is a shepherd, which is basically saying the same thing. Uh, He's a man called by God to follow Christ in such a way that others... Learn to follow Christ with Him. You say, well, every Christian should be doing that. Yes, but this is a specific task assigned to Him, which hopefully then filters into the whole of the congregation. And and so elders lead the church, not for themselves, but for Christ. They lead the church, and, and not alone in isolation. There are also deacons who come along beside them and serve the church, and others who come along and, and, and help in the teaching of the church, and the body itself, which is then exercising its gifts as well for the ministry of the church. But the elders lead in that so that the church as a whole continues in faithfulness, and we pray fruitfulness for the sake of Christ's kingdom. So with that in mind, I want to do two things this morning, so this will be a little different kind of message from what we usually have. First, I want to exhort our brother uh, to take up this task in faithfulness to Christ. And you get to listen in while I do that. Second, I then want to exhort you 
the congregation to receive this brother as a gift from Christ for your good. 1 Timothy 5.17 says that the elders who lead well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. And notice the emphasis here. They are to work hard. The call to be an elder is not a call to enjoy a privilege. It is a call to work hard in service. So brother, as you know, there will be sleepless nights. Uh, There will be difficult meetings. Uh, There will be battles with your own flesh. Uh, And much, much more. And so Peter sums all that up here in verse 2, simply by saying, shepherd the flock of God among you. That's what you're being called to do. uh, To shepherd this flock along with us here at Rockport. And so let me just exhort you to take up that task with determination and joy. There will be five things here and then five for the congregation as well. First thing, understand then, understand the high calling of this office and be humbled by it. I don't think the Apostle Paul ever quite got over the fact that God had called him to this service. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. What a mammoth privilege it is to be called by God to serve Him. And anyway, that calling astounded Paul. It it humbled him. And you notice that throughout the New Testament, uh, Paul consistently calls himself a bondservant of Christ, as in Philippians 1.1 and so forth. I mean, he was an apostle. He was called by God, given special authority over the churches that we ourselves don't have, wrote a significant portion of the New Testament... But that's not what you hear him glory about. Paul was humbled to be a servant of Christ, quite literally, doulos, a slave. Peter's the same, you'll notice. I mean, Peter knew Jesus personally. Peter had been handpicked by Christ to be the leader of that early band of apostles, and yet, when he exhorts these leaders, these men who... I'm sure we're far younger than him and certainly far uh, less experienced with far less credentials. Peter didn't say, hey, I'm top dog. You know, I'm the lead apostle. Jesus gave this to me. I was handpicked by Christ Himself and put in charge of you guys. He says simply, 1 Peter 5 verse 1, I'm your fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ. What humility. That's how we must see ourselves. Uh, Kyle Warren, we are to be servants. We are not privileged lords ruling down on the flock, but humble servants who are amazed that God would choose to lead His people through the likes of us. Be astounded by that. Don't ever stop being astounded by that. Don't ever lose the amazement that God would use you. Let that humble you and make you a servant. Because that is the way of our Master, isn't it? Jesus says He did not come to be served. Oh, if anyone should come to be served. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many, Matthew twenty twenty-eight. So that's the first thing. Embrace this task with humility. Second, understand the purpose of your ministry 
And make that your focus every day. And what is that purpose? He says here to shepherd the flock of God. To lead them in holiness and faithfulness to Christ. To go after them when they stray. To be patient with them when they mess it up. Because that's what sheep do. To tend them and help them uh, until they are they are begin to live like the people of God they truly are. To lead them in paths of righteousness for His name's sake, as Psalm 23 tells us. And to watch out for them. To protect them. Uh, Paul urges in Acts 20.28 20, uh, to the elders in Ephesus, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His own blood. Be an alert shepherd. Watch out for wolves. Uh, have an eye ready to find the broken and the bleeding in some bramble bush somewhere. That's what Peter is urging us to do here as well in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Willingly, diligently. Third, keep in mind the spirit of your ministry and let that preserve you from self-exaltation. Uh, Paul says again in verse 2 and 3, it's worth hearing once more, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, uh, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And so you're excited about this calling. It's something the Lord put on your heart many years ago. And that is a really good thing. Because... This is not a duty to be dreaded. It is a delight to be relished. Um, I mean, what a great calling. What a great calling to serve God's people. But notice, he says it's not for personal gain. Right? It can never be about you. It can never be about me. It can never be about our place in the church. And so keep that thought in front of you always. Uh, you'll, you'll never get a lot of earthly wealth or applause pursuing this calling, or at least you shouldn't. Um, but does that matter? You know, it's not your motive. Uh, that's one reason we've come this far. You, you'll do a lot better financially getting all your time to writing code or building websites or whatever it is you do, you know, with that part of your day. But God has called you to give yourself to serving this flock, to loving this flock, to caring for and leading this flock for Christ's sake. And that's why he says not lording it over God's people, not ruling them as subjects, but serving them as stewards commissioned by God for that purpose, attending them as God's sheep. And so you and I must conduct ourselves as men who will give an account. And we'll come back to that in Hebrews thirteen seventeen. But what a terrifying and exhilarating thought. We will give an account. Fourth, keep in mind the means of this ministry and let that direct your life. What are the means? How has God commanded us to carry out this task before His congregation? You get a glimpse of that in 1 Thessalonians 2.9 where Paul says he worked night and day proclaiming the gospel of God. You and I have the privilege of telling the world that God has done something wonderful. That God stepped into the mess 
to accomplish something for His glory. That God entered time and space to save a people for Himself. That God came to earth as a man in Christ to give Himself for the joy and the salvation of His people. We get to tell people that. right? But not only that, you and I and Kyle are also called like Christ to incarnate our lives here and now among these people. Right? To incarnate... What do I mean by that? Well, here, incarnate, the way I'm using it, means to enflesh the life of Christ among His people. To, to, to bring those realities to bear in real and observable ways. Notice Peter says, you are to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Um, so, so we're not shepherding the people in Omaha. We're shepherding these people where we live, these people who know us, these people who see us, these people who smell our bad breath. Um, you know, the, the people before whom we must live as examples to the flock. We are called to live among these dear people, to love them, to be patient with them, to lead them by word and example as we give our lives to them for their good. Paul actually uses that very language in 1 Thessalonians 2.8 when he says that he and Timothy were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our very lives because you had become very dear to us. Brothers, we get to do the same. We get to impart our lives and this gospel to these people because they are dear to us. Amen? And not only are they dear to us, but are they dear to us, but even more so, the gospel is dear to us. Paul's great statement in Romans 1, 16 and 17, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. This gospel tells sinners like us that there is a righteousness they need but don't have, right? because they've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, because by their sin, let's make it personal, our sin, me, you, our sin has brought us hell and death at the hand of God's justice. But Christ has come to face that justice and to provide for us a righteousness we don't have that we might be saved. A righteousness from God... Paul says that we can receive, that pardons our sins and gives us life to the full, to whom? To to all who will turn from sin and trust Christ for what He has done. Uh, Of course, God does that work. God opens the heart. But our place is to proclaim that message, to hold it up as the Spirit takes the Word of God and accomplishes the purpose of God. This is the message the world needs to hear. But you know what else? Beyond the fact that the world needs to hear this message, these people here in this room week after week need to hear this message. And brother, I need to hear that message. Because I forget. And I try to do this thing on my own way too often. And so I charge you, my friend, and now fellow elder, to remind me of this again and again. Remind me what Christ has done and why that counts and why that is my only hope. Keep pressing that into us. There are two passages Paul wrote to pastors like us that help us keep that focus. And they're absolutely essential for for, for every believer. 
Um, but they're especially essential for those who would dare to try to lead God's people. And so before we get to the last point to you, I'll just give them. They are, first of all, 1 Timothy 4.16. Paul writes to Timothy, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching, right? Both to yourself, how you're living out this calling, and to your teaching, that which you hold as doctrinal truth. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. You see, this matters. It matters what we believe. It matters what we hold to. It matters what, what we teach. And it matters how you conduct yourself in light of that teaching. Um, people's lives and eternities will be affected by what they hear you say and see you do or fail to hear you say and fail to see you do. If that makes your knees just a little weak, good. Because it terrifies me sometimes. What you and I do in this holy office matters. And I think we'd agree there are far too many little boys out there who just want to be called pastor and be given a place of authority who have no clue about what it means to walk with God and lead others in it. And God preserve us from that. God keep us from adding to their number. And if we ever forget that, if I forget that, if you or Kyle ever forget that, if we, if we don't live by that, we need to have the integrity to step down rather than bring harm to this church. Another passage, 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. I solemnly charge you, Paul says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom... Man, I'm like, by the time you start with that introduction, Timothy's saying, okay, what is coming my way? I charge you by all that is holy, righteous, good, sovereign, and powerful through the Gospel, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Timothy, all this weight coming down. Then he says, preach what? The Word. Counsel with what? The Word. What Word? The Word about Christ, the Gospel. Uh, Brother, we have no other resource when it comes to our service to this church and to His kingdom. God's Word has authority. Apart from that, we just have opinions. We need the Word. And so, I exhort you, to know this Word, to continue to use this Word, to encourage with this Word, to let this Word work. And again, can you think of anything better to give your life to? Martin Luther one time was being credited with starting the Reformation. And uh, he said, I'm going to just paraphrase it because it's a longer quote. He basically says, are you kidding? I did nothing. I just preached the Word and the Word did all the work while I sat here drinking with my good friend Philip Melanchthon. Let's agree publicly with Kyle to let the Word do its work. To trust it that it will. And then just a fifth thing, and then I'll turn to the congregation which has been waiting so patiently. As you do this, keep in mind what the goal is. What is that goal? Verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. When He comes, our chief shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ, the King... He will give you a crown. He will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. And then you will take that crown, whatever that is, and you will cast it at His feet. 
amazed with gratitude that your life was not wasted and that you've been given the the joy of serving Him well. So that's my charge to you. Give yourself to this calling. Now with the time left, it won't take nearly quite as long, but let me let me turn to you, our congregation. What does God expect of you as Warren takes up this place of ministry? Well, above all, what He requires of us as a congregation is receive our brother's ministry as a gift from God for your good. Where do I get that? Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Paul says that, and He, that is God or Christ, gave some, and he lists some offices, and he comes to pastors and teachers. So God gave pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. God gave those who serve well to His church for their good. And so our brother's ministry must be received as a gift from God for your good. How? Again, quickly, five things. First, seek to give Him the honor due His office. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13, But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. See, he's just describing the work of the pastor there. And that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And so Rockport, recognize this brother as your pastor. And give to him the same place in your heart that you have very kindly given me over these years. Now I know there's a degree to which every man must, in some aspect, earn respect by his persistent service. But what I'm saying is, give him a chance to do that. (laughs) Choose this day to take the attitude toward Him that this is my pastor whom God has called to serve me and therefore value that ministry highly. Pray for Him and His family and expect God to work through Him for your good. Esteem Him. Second, give Him the benefit of the doubt as He continues to grow in ministry. There's a reason that 1 Timothy 5, verse 19 says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. A man in leadership is vulnerable. He has no choice but to make decisions and even judgment calls at times. As a man, he's going to make mistakes. He'll lead sometimes in ways you don't agree with. Sometimes through his own fault, sometimes through your fault. But as a godly man, he'll learn from all these things. And understand, there is always a learning curve in ministry. After 32 years, I'm still on it. How could it be otherwise? We're human. And so give him leeway to learn and time to grow. Let him make mistakes and learn from them. Third, call on this brother in your need and expect God to use him in your life. James 5.14 says, Is any among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church and they're to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, the, 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 the focus there is specifically prayer for healing, but it's a, it's a good principle that's, that's even broader than that. It is his joy to serve, so let him serve. Let's not go back to practicing the idolatry of always having to have the pastor. 
because we don't have a the pastor. We have pastors that God has given to serve the church. And so let God use His gifts and temperaments, which are different from mine and Kyle's, for you good. Because, because according to God's providence here, you get the benefit of having a diversity of men with differing gifts who serve for your good. Fourth, submit to this brother's leadership as he faithfully follows Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, Be imitators of me just as I am of Christ. And so pray for Warren. Pray that he will follow Christ in a way that you can follow him. That he will exhibit biblical wisdom as he speaks and counsels and all these things. That, that he'll set the kind of example that will be helpful to you. That he'll be a man who knows and walks with God. And oh, by the way, while you're at it, pray that for me and Kyle too. You see, this is to your benefit. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them. Again, he's speaking within the church. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. You must be willing to follow flawed, godly leaders. You must be ready to follow those who faithfully follow Christ. And so give, give our brother the benefit of the doubt. Give him room to be that kind of leader as I'm confident he will be. Be aware and be patient with his human limitations. Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 talks about his own weakness as a frail human being. By definition, that's true of every man who would dare to try to lead you. One area where we see that, both of these brothers are at a place right now where they are family men with jobs outside of the church, with children at home, some of them quite small, all of these things which consume time. And so these two guys especially are going to have some limitations on their availability just by that circumstance. Be patient with them. Pray for them in that. And that brings us to the final thing. Perhaps the most important thing, above all, do pray for them. Pray for Warren's family. Pray for Athena. Pray for their children. Because he's going to be under more sustained enemy attack than he's known before. Pray for him to have wisdom as a husband and father. Pray for growth in leadership. Pray for holiness and time with God. Pray for a clear understanding of the Word and how to apply it. Even the Apostle Paul understood his need for prayer. Paul said, 1 Thessalonians 5, Brethren, pray for us. 2 Thessalonians 3, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the Word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified just as also it was among you. So I beg you, pray for all of us. Pray for our wives. Pray for our marriages. Pray for us to be faithful. Because here's what I know. I know this brother's heart, and I think I know my heart, and I think I know Kyle's heart. We want to be faithful in service to Christ. We want to lead this congregation well in a way that will glorify God. But that is a task that is absolutely impossible for us apart from His grace. So help us by praying. Help us by being patient. Help us by using your gifts to serve Christ within this body. Help us by submitting your life to Christ for the glory of God through this church. 
Amen? Father, thank You for Your gifts and callings. Thank You for building Your church around Your Word and appointing some of the sheep to shepherd. Help us do it faithfully for Christ's sake. I pray. Amen.